welcome once again to Center Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz. My name is Richard Gazer, and as always, I am pleased and I'm honored to be your host and your commentator for another of our commentary shows, one of the shows that we have up on air and online, kind of uh, by extending the concept of both. The online is easy. On air, I'm not sure really if we could justify saying that. But we're on air in sort of a virtual way, the same way we'd be on air if you turned on your radio. Uh, Except in this case, the radio happens to be a radio loop of the show that's running on uh, on on a separate computer here in the studio, as a matter of fact. Um, And it it basically plays the show that you're listening to right now over and over. You may be listening to this show on that radio loop. And essentially, uh, it is a, um, a way of kind of, you know... Listening in an old in an old school analog sort of way to the show. Of course, the way most people do it these days is you listen to a show you like, like Center Left Radio, um, as a podcast. Now, if you go to our uh, website homepage, that's www.centerlefttalkradio, one word, centerlefttalkradio.com, well, you will, besides uh, looking at a rather uh, large and impressive photograph of the microphone that I'm speaking on at, at, at this moment, and that's at the very top of the homepage, besides that, uh, you will find a... Um, you will find two links directly below that microphone. The first is to our uh, aforementioned podcast feed, and it would be this show. would be the top, the, the show that would be the first one on the list. The next link is to the radio loop, and that would be the same show that is first on the list among podcast. Hit either of those links and you are listening to me right now, or you are going to wherever you pick up your podcasts and you're looking for center left radio, just those three words. Uh, Otherwise, you're going to centerlefttalkradio.com. Welcome to our Friday show. I I get that up front uh, right out uh, because I'm very... uh, interested and anxious to be talking with David Bach a little later in our show, after, in, in the second, uh, second part of the show. Um, there's so much going on. Uh, of course, the, the, the undercurrent of everything uh, is this, I, well, let's see now, what is the undercurrent? The, the undercurrent is the economic life of the country. This, this seems to always be the thing that excites and, and, and draws the focus of Americans, especially in, a, um, in an election year, this being a midterm election, 2022, coming up in November. And so, not, not surprisingly, in fact, it would be surprising were this not the case, uh, Republicans are trying to do everything in their power to saddle Joe Biden and the Democrats with responsibility, nay, blame for the current recession or what's turning into a recession, Cert- certainly the inflationary rate, which is at its high peak 
since I suppose the highest peak since sometime in the late 80s. Uh, it was the last time it looked like this at the rate things have been going up eight plus percent. Uh, the markets are uh, continuing to tank. They just dropped below 30,000 yesterday. We're 20% off highs from the beginning of the year. Everybody's 401k is feeling it. Everybody is feeling it at the gas tank. Uh, at the gas station, it's still over five bucks a gallon on average, and uh, you, it's it's hard to find. You, it, well, it's not hard to find it for considerably more those who would price gouge. Obviously, the insure uh, the uh, the oil companies are making money where they uh, they can because they can because they can get away with it. No one has the nerve, it seems, and I'm guessing this has to do with campaign contributions and the like, to just simply call out the oil companies and say, well, by God, you don't have to charge this much money. You don't have to say, gee, our hands are tied because of the international price of oil and how this comes down. And we have no choice but to charge you a double or triple for the same oil that we're not having to pay any more for because we're getting 95 plus percent of it from our own country or through sources that we control. We're not bringing it in on tankers from the Middle East, the Far East, or any place else. We are our own supplier. No, we don't have to charge five. It, it doesn't have to become $5 at the time. We're simply taking advantage of the international price. And no one seems to have the, the, the political stomach to call out uh, the oil manufacturers on that. Of course, if they did, there would be a rather uh, nicely convoluted but somewhat misleading explanation that would draw the requestor of that information off track relative to the obvious choice that the uh, oil companies are making in charging more. It would almost sound as though they had no choice. I'm sure that's how it would play out if the question were posed by, by people who should be posing that question. But no one's asking. And so we're left to imagine that there's no choice but to wait for uh, all things international, oil-wise, to somehow uh, be reduced in price uh, so that the international price of oil, which ultimately affects New York delivery on oil, uh, will somehow um, magically go down and, well, who knows, sometime later in the summer. Who the hell knows when the oil companies will finally give us a break or when Congress or when uh, the administration will finally stand up to them. I don't know. But here we are, no matter... <laughs> no matter what we say, we've seen this happen. We've played, if you're old enough, you've watched this game play out too many times already in your lifetime. You've watched the market come and go. I've, I've watched, what, four or five or six of these cycles, if not more. I've watched housing do the same thing. And we all know that this is not something that any one administration uh, can be saddled with, certainly to the exclusion of all, uh, of all other forces, including internal American political forces. 
So, of course, it's not accurate to blame uh, Joe Biden and the Democrats for the current inflationary cycle. There are so many other things that come into play, including COVID, including international prices, including the supply chain issues that have been going on, just all manner of, 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 of vectors that are adding up to this, a long, 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 artificially maintained run of low interest rates. These are natural cycles that we're going through, and we're going through a particularly painful one right now. Of course, we also, being Americans, uh, expect that the party in, in control is going to have to take it on the chin, on the neck, for all of this stuff. Now, that would be the normal way in which things operate. And, and there's a certain amount of that obviously going on right now. But we're not in anything near normal times, not even near a normal recessionary process, not anywhere near an, a normal inflation. Everything is, well, in, in the world of Trump and post-Trump and what's ever become of the Republican Party, we are in matters of first impression, it seems, on a daily basis. And yesterday's hearing by the House Select January 6th Committee uh, only drove that point home uh, in a way that... Uh, <laughs> You know, I, I, I thought I knew most of what was going to be there and, and, and what was coming up, and I, and I didn't think that I, would, I could react to what was going on any more than I already have. You know, I've discounted. I, I'm, I'm like, you know, I've, it's, I, I, I'm almost at the, oh, it's Donald, what do you expect? I think on a daily basis, many of us, of all political stripes, it's just been beaten into us. Or we've been beaten down to the, well, what do you expect from Donald? The thing is, what the committee did yesterday, it, 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 it put flesh on the bone. It basically fleshed out just how awful and nefarious the actions of the former disgraced, twice impeached president actually were in the days leading up to and following January 6th. And, and the way they did it yesterday was by focusing on then vice pre former Vice President Mike Pence. And, and, and you'll recall that this whole process uh, was, uh, the whole idea was for Pence, ha, ha, the, the legal challenges having pretty much, I, I think, I hope I have my sequence right here, that the, all the challenges brought before courts, uh, the 62 legal challenges, all of which except for one were lost, and the one that was won was really a toss-up for both sides. It didn't affect actual vote tallies. But Rudy Giuliani, being the head attorney on this, basically lost 61 times in federal and state courts, going as high as the Supreme Court, being told, if you've got nothing, you can't come in here, being chastised and, 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 and roundly, roundly uh, disgraced 
in opinion after opinion, many of which were issued without ever uh, reveal, looking at the facts, simply because the, the matter, the, 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 the substance of the complaint never materialized. Once Rudy would get to court, there'd be nothing there, and he'd admit as much to the judge or admit in his filings when asked to produce the evidence they were talking about. He effectively said again and again, well, you have to understand, and never use these words, we have a political show to run, and you're part of that, in essence, is what he was telling the various courts around the country in the key battleground states and federal courts, anywhere he could try to get an audience to try to supposedly overturn what was a stolen election. The election wasn't stolen. Every court told him it wasn't stolen. The individual states and their... Uh, and there, whoever the, uh, the, the official source within those states that verified to, uh, vote counts said the same thing over and over again. There's no steal here. There's no there there. But that, of course, didn't stop uh, Rudy or, or John Eastman uh, in particular, and he was a major player in, in yesterday's hearing. I, I was fascinated by the juxtaposition of Eastman in this entire process. He is, he is an untitled person. He, he clerked, uh, it winds up, for Clarence Thomas, uh, the only justice to basically uh, say that Donald Trump did not have to release his, uh, his financial records to the government. Um, amazing, I mean, Clarence Thomas who is so out on a limb and, and so out of step legally and judicially with his peers, even his other conservative peers, when it comes to anything that has to do with protecting Donald Trump. It's just an automatic. It's an auto call. And there's a whole thing going on with his wife and her connection with John Eastman and her urging uh, the overthrow of the election and all of this others. That's a whole other matter, which is just taken a court that's already shaken to its core and it is already being shown as having no respect for its own traditions, being on the verge any day, I imagine, of putting out a ruling that will officially overturn Roe v. Wade, uh, which would therefore mean that stare decisis is no longer the rule of the court. It, it, just, it, just, it just basically almost knocks out one of the three legs, the equal branches of government, the three-legged stool, the checks and balances. If the court can't be trusted to function by its own rules and its own traditions, how the hell is it overseeing anyone else? And who the hell should trust it? That's part of what's going on there. But even that is a digression from what was revealed yesterday. Now, yesterday was thoroughly amazing. There were two major storylines for, for those who did not have a chance to see any part of this or see thorough summations of it. And I, and I found the time yesterday, kind of shut everything else down, uh, to watch what wound up being a fairly long hearing. I, th I think it went longer than any of the others so far. Uh, took up the better part of the afternoon. 
and and was riveting. Now, I, I admit, and, and several have said this, that the early parts of the hearing really turned into something of a a law school treatise uh, sort of thing. I, I, I could see, having been a kid that went to law school at night, uh, this would be the type of stuff that you'd be sitting there trying to keep your eyes open as uh, every every angle was reviewed. And there, there was some, there was some uh, talk of how, or the mechanics of how the 1887 uh, presidential vote counting succession act and the 12th amendment interacted uh, and, and produced or did not produce a basis for John Eastman to declare that the vice president had the, in the end, what it all came down to is everybody, anyone, anyone willing to look at this understood. There was no constitutional or historic basis whatsoever for Donald Trump's demand, constant demand of his vice president, a demand that he made knowing full well, and the evidence is all out there, glaringly out there, knowing full well that he had lost the election and simply refusing to accept it. And he looked and he looked and he looked and he finally found someone who would tell him exactly what he wanted to hear. There were a few within his inner circle who were kind of repeating this, but the one that gave him what he needed, the one that gave him a legal theory... It winds up being not a legal theory. Is a guy who was really a smart guy, John Eastman. Who uh, again? Uh, who was this guy? Well, he he clerked for Clarence Thomas, and he also clerked for another highly, highly respected uh, federal judge, just retired recently, and a icon of the of the of the of the true deep down, you know, deep in your bones conservative movement. Uh, a judge by the name of uh, Michael Ludwig. And he, he was there on the panel yesterday, uh, together with uh, Mike Pence's attorney, uh, Steve Jacobs, I think. Was that his name? Is that his first name? No, no, Greg Jacobs. Greg, Greg Jacobs. And I, I both basically were dealing with a theory that had not so much been... Yes, it was put in Trump's head in the sense that anything that would work for him, he will latch onto. He would just keep casting away anything that did not go with what he wanted. Forget the legality of it, forget the constitutionality with it. He would just keep discarding one person after the next opinion, bouncing to where can I find someone or something that will support my groundless claims that I still have a right to be president, even though I lost, lost the Electoral College, even though I've been voted down by 62 courts, even though all of the states and the state electors have refused to go along with my ruse to pretend that there was some miscount, even though it's been so apparent to everybody that all I'm doing is looking for some way to conduct a coup to overtake, uh, to, to, to discount 
a, a valid American presidential vote so that I personally can stay in power. Even though this is all about me and only me and nothing but me and has nothing to do but with the Constitution or the country, of course, I'll use all those words in shouting about the grievance that I'm experiencing and my followers will get all worked up and on and on. Even though none of that is real, I've found a guy who clerked for two relatively, one of them obviously highly respected, Ludig. And I may not agree with 99% of his opinions on stuff, but on a constitutional level, the guy is, is considered God from a conservative perspective. Clarence Thomas, I have no respect for whatsoever. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, that's just the way I feel about the guy. But for whatever reason, John Eastman, untitled, not, does not have a government position, is not the president's attorney. He's simply a guy who managed to be in the room and was willing to come up with some cockamamie theory that basically would allow Trump on January 6th uh, to insist of Mike Pence. We're getting back to the whole Mike Pence situation here. He could insist that Mike Pence, and he and can legally do this, could do one of two things. He could either shut down the hearing. He could eat. Well, he could either deny uh, the validity of the ballots straight away and name his own uh, winning slate which is to say, take the decision of the Electoral College in each of the battleground states, ignore the slate of electors they had sent, accept his own slate, and basically go with their decision that Donald Trump won in the contested states. If it sounds nuts to you, it's because it is. Or the other possibility, simply say that the procedures of January 6th I'm putting it on a 10-day a hold and sending it back, sending back these slates to the states so that they can reconsider what they've already said is their last word on this, and that'll give us that much more time to basically put in fake slates of of electors in these states overturn or discard the valid slates of electors. And this, this by the way, it all, this all points up the, the ridiculous complexity of a elector-based system at this stage in the game in America, uh, preserving something that no longer needs preservation. What we need to have is one person, one vote, and whoever gets the most votes wins, certainly on a national election. We just can't seem to f get our heads out of our asses enough to figure out that that's the only way it's going to work. Each side figures that the other side will get an advantage. If I'm the first one to be rational, the other side will get the first advantage and all this stuff because it would have to be the side in control that allowed us to get the hell away from this insanity. Pretty much the same way we have to get away from gun rules and, and idi idiocy about allowing every kind of weapon in the world. You know, who is going to suffer politically first for this? Seems to be far more controlling than what is the logic and the rationale of doing this and how would it help the American people? But we're here. We're here. 
And Eastman, of course, Trump, because Eastman has given him this information, Eastman knows perfectly well, this was all brought out, knows perfectly well that this stuff is nuts. But he is going with it. And, and, and this is the part that no one can really quite explain. Why would someone with the legal knowledge, and he's a, he's a, he's a very well-reputed attorney, but why would someone like him go ahead and start touting a total crock of shit, to be honest, from, from the perspective of a legal theory, and, 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 and of course, he has, he's resonating with, the, with, with Trump. Donald is loving it. It's the outlier theory. No one else at this point is really, no one else on the inner circle really wants to be saddled with this. Plenty of witnesses to that effect. And, and continually setting Mike Pence in a position where Pence is the one that has to basically utilize Eastman's theory in order to keep Trump in power. Eastman basically is setting Mike Pence up. Why? Why is this happening? Well, because Trump is this way. And, and it means that in order for one of the Eastman roads to victory, if you will, to, to basically seizing victory, to basically overturning, to, to basically, um, to, to coup, to have a coup, to basically overturn a valid election completely. There's always, the, the insurrection, January 6th was an insurrection. There was an attempted coup going on at the time, but the coup was unsuccessful. The insurrection was successful. It basically interrupted the flow of Congress. That, by definition, is an insurrection. It stopped the, the orderly flow of business. So that's what many people have been convicted of, many of the people who rioted, many of the people who invaded the Capitol. They are insurrectionists. As far as a coup, well, that, 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 that didn't happen except for one person, Mike Pence. And the pressure being brought to bear hour by hour, meeting after meeting, exactly what was being said to him, people in the room listening to Donald Trump berating him, calling Mike Pence uh, a wimp, a pussy, I mean, just, just throwing language at the vice president and, and insulting him in every conceivable way, going out to the crowd on the ellipse and it wasn't, it wasn't in his original notes, it winds up, Donald Trump, but there was a whole section he added in on Mike Pence and pushing Pence and blaming Pence. And if he doesn't come through, I don't know, you know, we're not going to be happy. And, 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 and the timeline being knitted out so, and, 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 and the TikTok of this, the comparison between what Trump is saying, when he's saying it, what the crowd is doing, how they're reacting against Pence, the cause and effect of it all is so outlandishly, outlandishly clear and obvious that Trump is consciously, knowing full well that he has lost the election, he is consciously attempting a coup against the government that he is sworn to protect as its commander-in-chief. It is an unprecedented situation. Now, as I say, I, I might have thought as recently as um, 
you know, just days ago before these hearings that I kind of knew what was going on. And I know that Trump is still out there uh, putting the word out that he won, et cetera, et cetera. And he's making sure that he's still the power force within the Republican Party. He's the kingmaker with all these primaries. His name has to be out there, et cetera, et cetera. But I did not have this comprehensive TikTok this, this, this really well-framed, well-presented understanding of what the hell this SOB did and how close we really came to having a successful coup against this country. If Mike Pence had not held his ground on January 6th, if he had not basically bucked Trump to the end, if he had finally given in and said, okay, I'll choose one of the two paths that Eastman is lying about here, saying that they're actually legal paths. I know full well that historically and every other way, there is no way in hell that the founding fathers intended that I, the vice president of the United States, should have the power to overrule the vote of people and simply declare who the president will be. There's just no way in hell. It's repugnant at every level. Even before you get to a discovery and, and, a, and a study of the laws and the history of the process. Just the thought that, you know, with everything that we've set up and we're breaking away from King George III and we're but we want to have a system where if, if it's rainy and, and, and people are having a bad day and when that final count comes in, let's leave the, let's go with everything that we've said and done, the electoral system and everybody voting and blah, blah, blah. but in the end, the vice president will have the last word. The vice president will have the last word. He, can over, he or she can overturn whatever the hell has made it to the House chamber that night when the final opening of the votes takes place. Now, the 12th Amendment to the Constitution is the only place in the Constitution where the vice president's activities for this final, final validation are discussed. The validation process apparently is complete when the states issue their uh, electoral counts. This is a formality. That's how it's worded. And it's a, I think it's a single sentence, the 12th Amendment. It says something like, and I'm paraphrasing here, and the vice president shall uh, open up or shall, re, shall, shall, shall open the, the uh, votes of the individual electors. He, sh he, sa he shall recognize them or look at them. I have to look at the exact words. And they shall be counted. It doesn't say that the vice president counts them. It's said in the passive voice. And they shall be counted. That's it. That's the 12th Amendment. And because there was so much ambiguity, eventually in 1887, there was a law passed that simply laid out what the process was. Nowhere in that law or nowhere in the 12th Amendment is it even so much as inferred that the vice president of the United States would have the sole ability to basically declare who the winner would be. Think about the insanity of this. The vice president is on the ticket. It is a total 
it's a total self-serving process. Hi, say the founders of our country. We intended that someone in their own self-interest could overrule an election that they just lost in order to stay in power. Yep, that's something we think would be great for the constitutional democracy that we're setting up. We think that this would be moving things towards a more perfect union. It's absurd in the extreme, and I think this is something that, that is lost on a lot of people. There, there's this whole notion that the vice president had blah, 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 but what, what doesn't get thought about a lot, what doesn't get reported a lot, is tracking the logic of this against what it would mean, what, what you would have to have in the mindset of the founders of this country for that to be a valid option. Yep, we want, we want the whole thing to be overtaken by the vice president. The vice president gets to call the election no matter what the people said, no matter what the hell the electoral college count was. Think of these options too, and this was brought out, beautifully thought out. If this were the case, if the John Eastman theory, or one of them, were valid, then Al Gore in 2000, should have called or had the right to call the election, the one that came down to Florida, that came down to a recount in Florida, that came down to a recount that was stopped because if that recount had continued, Al Gore would have been the next president of the United States. Nope, this, the Florida Secretary of State stopped it. The Supreme Court did not want to overrule the Florida Secretary of State. The Supreme Court was at that time uh, dominated by conservatives. Al Gore, but okay, that's it. I give up, says Al Gore. It, the, the, because at that point, it would have been, uh, it would have to go beyond the Supreme Court into another another court hearing, and it would have been a constitutional crisis situation. And Al Gore let it go. Now, could he have, in in within the realm of the John Eastman interpretation? total misinterpretation of the Constitution, if, 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 if Mike Pence would have been able to declare the election for Donald Trump, remember, Mike Pence was on the ticket too, well then, then Al Gore, who was not only on the ticket of the other side, but was the candidate, was the presidential candidate, not the vice president. He, yeah, he happened to be vice president of the United States, so he, he falls into the Eastman role that he's, Eastman is defining. And on top of that, he happens to be the presidential candidate. And so not only, so therefore, as the current vice president and future president, he can declare himself the winner of the election. Everybody go home. That's what the Constitution says. This is what the founding fathers expected. Of course not. It's absurd. You want to make it even more absurd? Whatever happens in 2024, if we follow the Eastman thought process, Kamala Harris, if, if the Democrats should lose, God help us, Kamala Harris goes ahead and she, uh, nope, no, 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 Democrats won. I'm the vice president. I get to call the whole thing. It's, it's nuts. It's insane in the extreme. In the extreme. The, 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 the most cursive review of this points out its insanity, its absolute repugnance instantly. You see, repugnance is not something that works with Donald Trump. 
It's just what might work for me. And you keep preaching, uh, you, you know, grievance and, and, and pain and, and I'm the underdog and what they're doing to me and they robbed me. <coughs> and you keep this thought in the minds of your followers as long as you can and you keep it to this moment and you keep lying. You can't, you can't turn it off because you're Donald. You're pathological. You're a pathological narcissist with some pretty ugly side, side, uh, side, side dishes packed onto that as well. Everything Mary Trump said about this guy is true. He has no off switch. He doesn't know where to go. But he's going to keep going. With what happened yesterday, it is apparent, it, it, it can't not be apparent that Donald Trump committed a crime and should be prosecuted. A funny thing happened midway in the hearing. The Justice Department requested, made a request, a formal request, and they issued it through a, through a court, a court document, that the hearing the committee reserve and hand over all documentation that it has produced through its interviews. All of its transcripts must go to the Justice Department. Now, I, I was under the impression that wouldn't that have been the case already? Apparently it hasn't been. Otherwise, the Ju Justice Department wouldn't have sent this. But there was something more in that letter that was extremely interesting from the Justice Department, signed by, I think, two officials, and two high-end people in the Justice Department that be involved in something like this. Because we, we need this to, for our own records, and this is material that would, in, fa in fact, apply to current investigations going on within the Justice Department. What does that tell us? that people who have been invest or who have been interviewed by the committee now, obviously we're not just talking about we're not talking about the uh, lower types the the uh, the proud boys and and others who breached the capital of which there've been 7 or 800 prosecutions or at least we're going in that direction no the committee is investigating people who you have been interviewing the committee, I'm sorry, the DOJ is investigating these people. And, and it left no doubt, certainly in my mind, the way I read it, that we're talking about, we're not talking about the average guy with horns on his head and a spear who came through the Capitol that day. We're talking about many of the people who are being, uh, who, whose names are appearing on air and who basically are of some substance and significance to the entire day. Clearly, uh, there are no transcripts involving interviews with Donald Trump himself, but there are plenty of people and plenty of transcripts involving people who spoke to him with firsthand knowledge and were there. And there, of, of course, of course, there are the transcripts of, of any electronic communication that Trump may have put out uh, to uh, his followers. And what I see happening here is that the DOJ is putting out a message. We're circling the wagons around everyone and everything here. You can assume 
it's sort of saying to me that what you see coming out of the committee, it will be augmented, will be amplified by the activities of the DOJ. That what you, the assumptions you can make about where things should be going after you've seen the arguments the committee is making, you should make the assumption the DOJ is traveling the same path and basically uh, maybe traveling many more paths than the committee might even be suggesting. Now, if I am a John Eastman, if I am a Mark Meadows, Eastman basically, when he came before the committee, all appear, and he, he recited the Fifth Amendment to something like a uh, hundred times plus. Mark Meadows has refused to appear completely. If I'm one of these people, if I'm the really, really close, and the ones that can give you firsthand information about conversations with Trump, and there are plenty who have that already, but you get even more information from them. If I'm these people, I know that this is the moment when I better start thinking about talking to the committee. Because if the indictments start coming down, and they will, then I stand to spend a lot of time in prison uh, for my role in what is going on or has been going on here. The other side of this is the direct impact on Donald. And I'm seeing more and more that I don't understand how the, the, the DOJ cannot indict Donald at this point. They have to. He's the kingpin. He's the linchpin. He, he, he's the mob boss that has been revealed controlling the entire thing. His motivations have been brought out. His understanding of the illegality of what he was doing, whether or not it affected him and he felt bad about it. You don't have to have a moral judgment about You don't have to be morally, uh, you, your moral corruption does not have to be proven to make you guilty of the commission of a crime. The, the, the fact that you may have be, be, be psychologically impaired might be brought up as some kind of a defense later on. Maybe they will. I don't know. But, but there's no way around indicting Donald. And if Donald is indicted, everybody falls with him. This whole, this whole house of cards, this entire insane process, this entire pandering to a base in order to maintain a lie, in order to not get them angry, begins to fall apart. And it does a wonderful thing for the Republican Party. It takes Donald out of the mix. That's, think about that. If I'm, if I'm DeSantis or, or Pence, the two names that keep coming up as potential uh, runners in 2024, Basically, having Trump in the mix keeps me linked to him. If I, if, if I, let's say I get the nomination over him, he will attempt to control whatever is going on. If I don't win, he's going to demand that we go through this entire process all over again. It's going to be hellish, and it's probably going to turn off a lot of people, a lot of Republicans. 
just the thought of the whole thing, because it'll become a major, a major uh, theme uh, in in the democratic, uh, you know, the democratic uh, chorus uh, that will be unleashed against Republicans. If Donald runs, well, that that's you know all bets off. Uh, Judge Judge Ludig yesterday said that he had absolute an absolute belief that Trump, and I'm taking Trump at his word, said Ludic, he will attempt to do in 24. This time, if he runs in 24, he will get done what he did not get done in 20. And he is the greatest danger to this Constitution uh, and, and this government uh, that we have faced since our founding. If that's not a statement of, of, a, of a clear and, and, and present danger, I don't know what is. Take Donald out of the mix and really shut him up and do it with a court filing that basically does, does some kind of a, a gag order. Yes, you're going to have pissed off. Uh, his, his supporters will initially be pissed off. And, 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 and of course, the, um, uh, the Republican Party, well, it's completely unfair, but of course, there'll be plenty of material out there to prove that it isn't. And if I am DeSantis or Pence, and, well, Pence has, I can't imagine, has any sympathy whatsoever for, for Donald. Donald essentially allowed, was, was about to allow Mike Pence to be hanged uh, by, or, or murdered in some way, by the people on that day. He threw it all at Mike Pence, couldn't have cared less. Trump is a heartless, thoughtless animal. Uh, a sick person. But again, that's not, that's not a uh, defense. Well, it may be a defense once he's indicted for his crimes for his alleged crimes. But if you can take Pence, if you could take, if you can take Donald out of the mix, if the Democrats can somehow get that done, then if I'm Pence, well, I don't know, maybe, maybe the base turns on me because they see me, especially after these hearings, as the guy who was involved in getting rid of Donald all along. And, and they turn on me anyway, even if I've been made uh, the heir apparent. Or if I'm DeSantis, um, well, um, I have to sort of now tiptoe my way around being a Trump sycophant for a long time. But of late, you know, I, I, I've tried to stay away from the... It, it gets messy. But if Trump is in the mix, it gets illegal, it gets unconstitutional, it will automatically, automatically become uh, seditious, it will automatically spill over into a constitutional crisis, it will basically uh, have all of the pinnings of coup, because I have every reason to believe that Donald Trump may lose an election if he were to run again. Many people are saying the same thing. Now, who, how exactly the Democrats are going to pull this off, I don't know. But if Donald runs, if Donald runs, the, the notion of the Republicans putting up a, a criminal, a, an established criminal, is really going to be a, a wildly powerful incentivizer for Democrats and it will, it will incentivize a smaller and smaller chunk of Republicans, but many will look away. The, the ratings on these hearings are much, much higher than a lot of people thought they would be. There's a lot of people watching and listening here. And we're, we're about to go into a messy 
an even messier period politically here. 2022 is the first time uh, that uh, there are, there's the possibility that some political appointees that are nothing but political and have loyalty only to their party could affect some congressional elections. Now, how deeply and badly that will be, I don't know. But we know that the Repu Republicans are attempting to set that up for 2024, redoing all of the election laws, redoing who, are, who basically has control over the elector slates and everything, all based on the lie that the election was stolen from Trump. So that entire process is based on a lie. It wasn't stolen, it was never stolen. Donald is simply a liar and will lie again and again and again for his own benefit. The fact that it is a lie that underscores all that means that if someone were to attempt to use these, let's call them, I'll call them phony uh, civil servants to overturn an otherwise valid election. If, if, if the Democratic presidential candidate got elected in, in, uh, in Michigan, and a Republican appointee basically says, nope, I'm gonna overturn that. You will have, <laughs> what will you have? Place will go wild, we're gonna blow up. No one's gonna accept it. So, so all of these games being played by the Republicans right now, the more the information is out there, the more and the closer that the Justice Department gets to these indictments, the harder it's gonna to be to even utilize the, the trumped up changes that are being made at the state level and at the elector review level that supposedly would give the Republicans the ability to overturn any electoral count that didn't go in their favor in a presidential election. You try using any of that and you blow the lid off the country. I, I, do people understand this? You can push this just so far. And we're going into a period where we're going to test that. And the jury is quite literally out, and will be out for a while yet, as to how this is all going to play out. But as, uh, as my, my Friday co-host coming up shortly and I uh, often quip back and forth to each other, that's why they play the games. And, and this is why I'm so pleased to have David Bach with us on Friday. He'll be, he'll be with us in just a moment. And I think this would be a perfect moment um, for a little jazz.
This is Richard Gazer. You know, it takes lots of time and effort and all kinds of resources to produce the kind of quality program we produce here at Center Left Radio. And it costs money to do it. Now, if we screamed a little louder or thought a little less about what we were saying, we could probably get a few advertisers to pay us to sell their products to a more tribally predictable audience. But that's not who we are or who you are. You come to Center Left Radio for non-commercial, thoughtful commentary. You're looking for an honest, progressive approach to solving America's problems, not exacerbating them. And we're committed to providing all of that. We're one of the few stations offering full-time, non-commercial, progressive programming. And we're the only station, the only one, doing it with a combination of hope, politics, and that most eloquent of all original American art forms, jazz. Think of it this way. We support your needs. Now we're asking you to support ours. Take a moment and go to our website, www.centerlefttalkradio, one word, centerlefttalkradio.com, and go to the donate page. And when you get there, give whatever you can. On a one-time or maybe a recurring basis, $5, $10, $1,000, whatever you can contribute to make Center Left Radio's unique progressive voice stronger and even more significant as the full extent of the wrongdoing of Donald Trump and his associates becomes all the more evident. And as we seek to hold the House Democrats accountable for the promises they made to the American people during the last election. Yeah, you know what's at stake. And I know, we all know, we can count on you. On behalf of all of us at Central F Radio, Thank you. You're listening to Center Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz. And you're listening to us on the web at www.centerlefttalkradio, one word, centerlefttalkradio.com. You're either listening to us as a podcast or you're listening to our radio loop. You know where they live. Both of them are there on the homepage of the website. And you also know, if you've been listening uh, enough today that it's Friday and I get to say the words that I look forward to saying pretty much every Friday. Uh, no, no more, no more intro required than that. David, what's on your mind? Uh, well, there's a lot, but I want to break it down basically into like three separate categories. Um, so first, before you do that, where can people find you? They can find me at uh, twitch.tv slash fresh faces, no ideas. And they can find me on Twitter at Faces Ideas. I, um, I, I back off. I, on to you. Yeah. So there's a couple stories that are kind of goofy but are worth talking about. So there was two basically hit pieces that came out, one against Lauren Boebert and then this rolling wave of, uh, of information coming out about Herschel Walker. Now, the Herschel Walker piece is, is, is bad. In the sense that he should not be in, in as a senator because he clearly has brain damage. Um, the man can't seem to uh, remember anything or tell an actual truth about anything. Um, he has lied about uh, graduating college, about when where he graduated in college. He lied about being an FBI informant. Apparently, he has multiple children that he's pretended he didn't have or something. 
but I want to I want to talk about that last part because it segues into the next part. David, could you just give 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 our audience a little bit of a just this the context who he is and why we're talking about him? Herschel Walker was a football player. Yeah, um, he is now the Republican uh, Senate candidate for in Georgia, running against Raphael Warnock. Right. Okay. Um, Raphael Warnock, who I'll remind you, was the 11th black person to ever hold a seat in the Senate in the United States. Yep. Total. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was elected in 2021. Um, so, Herschel Walker, besides having the most infuriatingly annoying child in Christian Walker, <laughs> and I can say that about him because he is a out, he is a public figure who is a right-wing influencer. So yeah, I can yeah. say it. Um, him having kids that he doesn't take care for or, or doesn't acknowledge isn't a thing to mock the kids for. It's a thing to point out that he's a hypocrite. Yeah. Among all the other crazy shit he said, look, he really should not be running for office because he's not qualified at all. This is, this is a recurring problem that people who are either just batshit crazy or mentally unwell are running on Republican tickets. Or we have both, which is Marjorie Taylor Greene. Yeah, yeah. The other story is the Lauren Boebert story. Now, I'm not sure if there's any actual evidence that this is true, but it is imperative that this does not become a thing in the same way that Madison Cawthorn did. So Madison Cawthorn lost his re-election, not because of the fascism, not because of the um, the uh, the anti-Semitism, the uh, the homophobia, just the the outright terrible sh- things he said. Madison Cawthorn lost his primary because information rolled out over a couple weeks before it that he might be gay. Mm. That okay. was it. Yeah. Now the Lauren Boebert piece is two parts. There's one part that says she was allegedly an escort. And then there's the other part that says that she had two abortions. Now, the answer to this is not to focus on those things. Lauren Boebert should lose her race because she is a monster for a whole host of reasons. I want to be clear about some things. The, the people who interrupted Joe Biden's State of the Union to talk about the 13 soldiers voted against extra funding for veterans who got sick from burn pits that just passed last night. Yeah. She is unqualified for office because she doesn't know literally anything. Um, She is a danger to the people around her. They know it. But so when we talk about this part, we should not, especially on the left, we should not be mocking her for these things. You could point out that she's hypocritical. But people who are sex workers and people who've had abortions are two of the people we need to be fighting for because they don't have the same security, they don't have the same rights that other people have. So yeah, it's funny to to mock her for this. It's funny to mock her for the fact that she's an infinitely stupid person. But to mock her for it, anything other than saying that, hey, you're being hypocritical and not the actual profession, that is not what we should be doing. Has, there is, is there a lot of that going on within Democratic yeah, circles? Obviously that, but I'm sure most yeah. of that's online. Yeah, um, yeah, that's yeah. that's where it's like there's there's enough there there for these two people that you don't even need to bring this up yeah, for a reason. That's not the, to that's be. the point. That's the uh, point but, between her and Walker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I get it. Now I want to talk to the just the other thing, and this is 
and people are saying this like they're pretending this isn't a thing. There's going to be mass violence against uh, LGBTQ people. It's already attempted to start. Um, so it comes in a variety of forms. There is um, states that will do it through through uh, just cutting off your access to health care. Oh, um, uh, since we last spoke, this this isn't related. To that. Um, there has been a an agreement on a gun control bill, and that gun control bill has fallen apart since we last spoke. Yeah. Um, yep. Yep. Which is a big surprise there, because even the the pieces that were good. So, like one of the pieces was it would give states extra money to fund red flag laws. First off, that means nothing. Republican states would never do that. They turned out money for Medicare expansion. Yeah, so why the hell would they, why the hell would they, even if it was offered to them? No, it would be lib money, and uh, it's for, uh, yeah, whatever. It, yeah, preventing people from buying, whatever, whatever the rationale would be. Yeah, I get but it. But the actual piece, and this is the piece that they should be running on. This is the thing that if you're going to talk about this gun control bill, this is the one that you need to be running, is the closing of the boyfriend loophole. Yeah. That would actually save a ton of lives. And it needs to be as strict as possible because the whole point of it is that generally if you have some type of domestic violence charge, some type of stalking charge, that is almost a – it's like a 60 percent precursor that you're going to commit violence with a gun yeah. on that person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that any – any and this is now the second time they have killed us. But a reminder, the, the, uh, as far as I remember – the uh, Violence Against Women's Act is still not reauthorized since, like, 2017 because of this loophole. <laughs> so, so the one thing – so the, the, the major reason for having the Violence Against Women Act, well, we can't really reauthorize it because it might prevent violence against women. There's <laughs> something along those lines. Uh, it's yeah. crazy. That's what they should be working on. And look, this is just another rope-a-dope. Um, it's it, – look, we're going to have, statistically speaking, however many days in between um, now and the election, we're going to have it like 1.3 mass shootings every single day. Sure. And, um, and the Senate is already uh, – I think they're on their way out for their 4th of July break already or something like that. So, yeah, that's cool because, you know yeah. – you know, Oh, but we have a – did we add another $45 billion to the military budget? I yeah, I heard something about that too. Did, yeah, isn't that interesting? That didn't so, happen. Uh, to seem be to have clear a about something, we have spent more money reauthorizing the military in the last – in Biden's presidency than the entirety of the larger Build Back Better program that was a decade's worth of spending. Just in the military budgets of the last two years, you're saying? Uh, the last three years. Three, okay, yeah. The this, this included, so yeah, uh, yeah, 2021, yeah. 2022, yeah. 20, for the 2023 budget. Um, Interesting. Yeah, just, just for that. Um, and well, it keeps I'm, going I'm, sure I'm, I'm sure every cent of it was absolutely necessary to the preservation of our defense, and I'm yeah, sure that it was... Yeah, it's not like we haven't yeah. pulled out of the war. <laughs> and now, I imagine a lot of this has to do with, like, backfilling stuff for the, uh, for the war in Ukraine and stuff. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But... You know, we're, all, we're just going to spend a trillion dollars on the military every year, and people just be like, oh, it's not enough. Um, the uh, So going back to LGBTQ people, so there's, there's going to be a couple of ways this happens. First, there's going to be the states that just ban um, you know, transitioning medicine, just, just straight up ban. Yeah. Uh, there's a couple of states that are working on it. 
there's going to be states that um, basically create un unattainable, um, unhealthy environments. These are states that basically ban uh, people in sports. I remind you that like at least two of the states that have banned children in sports yeah. um, have only one trans kid in yeah, the whole state. Yeah, remember you telling us about that uh, recent show, yeah. We have the Ohio one, which would allow basically any parent to decide that that kid is trans because they beat little Billy in soccer when they're 10, mm. um, which would require <laughs> a, a, a genital check, which is yeah, a totally normal thing that should happen. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, we have states that are going to go after the Trevor Project, which is sole purpose is to help people not commit suicide. Mm. Um, and then we're going to get to the actual violence. So there, there's this push now against drag. First off, drag is not trans. Right. They're, they're two separate things. They, drag is not gay. It's, it's a totally different thing. Well, like, it, it, it's, 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 it's out of the, the realm, and it's easy to attack, and it's easy to make a cultural war issue out of the entire thing. <clears throat> and that's all this is all about, ultimately. Uh, it basically may be... T it, it touches enough people and gets them frightened enough and resurrects all these fears and redirects their attention away from Donald and everything else that's going on uh, and, and the corruption of the party generally. But it's, it's, it's the basic theme, it's the basic methodology that has to be used to keep them from, look at this shiny object, do not look at everything else that's going on around you. I, I have no doubt that we're just yes. going to see more of these shiny objects as we approach November and thereafter. Well, there's a couple things. So, one to this, they're, they're going to point out to a whole bunch of things like, oh, these kids shouldn't be there. I right. would remind you that these are the same people who are obsessed with Hooters, who are not saying anything about child beauty pageants, which I cannot express enough. There is, like, zero chance you aren't a pedophile if you're putting your kid in a child beauty pageant. <laughs> um, like, I, I cannot... I laugh, but, uh, you know, ironically. <laughs> yeah, I hear um, you. So they're going to attempt to ban these things. They're going to use it to, uh, to criminalize these people. These things are literally going to lead to violence. What am I talking about? You ever heard of Libs of TikTok? I know I think we spoke about it a while ago. Yeah, yeah. Libs of TikTok is a hate account. Literally, there's no other way to describe it. All it does is find gay people existing and call them groomers. Um, and, mm. that's, and, and what happens is these things then become targeted because in two separate occasions, one on a drag queen story hour, which... They're all like, this is the worst thing ever. Like, why? Because you can't read? Like, Drag Queen Story Hour is a person in a costume reading a book to a child. Yeah. It doesn't make that child worse in any way. Um, it doesn't uh, do anything bad to that child. The, that got um, broken up by Proud Boys who were uh, wearing things that said, like, kill the pedophiles. And yelling things at these these kids. This is for kids. And this happened because uh, Chai Rachik, who is the person who runs Lives at TikTok, tweeted about this. Then we have the other thing in Ohio, where they arrested the 31 uh, Patriot Front guys. Because they were going to fight a pride parade. Because they tweeted about this. Yeah, yeah. This is actively harming people. 
And then there's this other like weirder aspect of it. So there's then we I got to talk about the the Daily Wire just very briefly because it is the most prominent hate site for conservatives that pretends to not be a hate site. Um, <laughs> all three of them, all three of their big faces. I I don't care about Michael Knowles because I think he's like objectively dumb and I don't really see all the same stuff he does. Yeah. Um. But all three of them, Shapiro, Bat Walsh, and and Candace Owens, are insane. So Candace Owens recently uh, came out and said that um, if you take your kid to a drag show, you should have your you should remove the your child should be removed from your household. Now keep in mind this is the party of family values and parents' choice. Uh huh. Um, she then went to tie it into uh, Big Pharma, which look, which would be cool if she was right in her assertion. So like she keeps getting to the line where she she identifies the problem and then gives you the wrong solution where um, she's like, yeah, you know, the government is forcing all these pills on us and big pharma is getting big. And this is all about the government getting more power, except we don't have med- We don't have socialized medicine. We don't have a government run healthcare system. Yeah. It, yeah. it would make more sense if we did, but we don't. Yeah. If your issue is big pharma, then you would push for a government-run healthcare system to help limit that. Or at the very least, you, you would look for price controls or uh, capping insulin, any of the things that would actually help people. Yeah. Now that, um, that, that all makes sense. It's that also worth sense. mentioning that she has two documentaries coming out, one on Rumble. I believe the other one might be just on the Daily Wire now. One of them is um is a pro-racism ad. It's uh it's saying that uh, everything that happened over uh, the summer of 2020 was a lie because George Floyd was a bad person. Ah. Um, and therefore he deserved it. That's that's really what it is. She has been saying since he died that he deserved it because he did something bad in the past. Ah. Um the other one is an is an anti-vax documentary. Um it that that's just what it is. Yeah. Um now, obviously, Candace Owens has to overcompensate in her hatred because, like Dave Rubin, she is not a white man. Um, therefore, no matter how high, uh, how many um, accolades she gets, how high in the Republican Party she gets, they will always hate her. <laughs> um, so then there is – I'm going to go to Ben because Ben has been like the most vocal and it's, it's worth talking about him because he's also been kind of the dumber one. Yeah. Ben Shapiro is a bigot. It is it is unequivocal that he is a big. Um, he also posts all of his L's online, and it's very funny. But he is objectively he lost his mind. I don't know if you saw this. There was a piece on Fox News about a kid from 2014 that was trans. Yeah. And you know it, how his parents accepted him, and how he was happier being you know a boy, and all of this. And yeah. Ben Shapiro lost his mind. Just lying about this piece, saying, how dare you show this online? You know, he's like, he's like, Fox News has betrayed his viewers. Everyone responsible should be fired. They just got so mad at this. He then also got mad that apparently there's a scene in the new Buzz Lightyear movie where two gay people are shown on screen. Like, not even, because here's the thing that happens. They believe that just seeing a gay person instantly makes you think, oh, I'm going to have anal sex now. Like, well, the, these are the woke. Like he always uses this, this term because this was this was a term used in one of Disney's meetings that they really jumped on, where one of their animators, executives, I don't know who it was, said the phrase, um, "Our our uh, our our secret gay agenda" in a mocking tone. Um, 
and they're like, oh, this is a secret gay agenda to show kids that gay people exist. Like, when we're talking about shows like uh, movies like Disney, we've covered this a whole bunch of times. They're not doing them, they're not putting, like, true gay, like, we haven't had a, uh, like, a gay movie since, like, Brokeback Mountain. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, when they're in these shows, it's like a minute or two minutes, or they're like a C character that you can take out of the movie so you can show it in Saudi Arabia. Like, right. that's the type of stuff. Like, these people want to pretend that they're better than the, they're like, oh, well, Muslims stone, stone gays. Do not tell me that the same people who are complaining about wokeness in Disney would not do the same thing if given the chance, because they would. Sure. And then there's this other part to it as well, which is they posted this thing from one of these colleges that had a list of pronouns. I cannot get I cannot express enough how much of a a childish uh, child snowflake you are if you get upset about pronouns. <laughs> like, look, do I think it's a little goofy to call someone a zur or a deer or whatever? Yeah. yeah. But am I going yeah. to not call them that because they asked me to? No, because like this is a terminally online thing to pretend to be mad about. You're yeah. not going to be in a crowd and point to somebody who is um, who is a uh, uh, feminine presenting, but hasn't trans or hasn't transitioned or whatever, and call them a man. Yeah, everyone's gonna look at you like you're crazy. This is a a terminally online thing. Like you never would do this in real life. Otherwise, nobody would be around you because you're just a dick. Well, most most of what seems to be happening online has questionable connections to what's happening in real life. I I, I notice this more and more. I mean, but then again, but that's these that's, are the things that grow into bigger problems. Sure, that's the whole Speaking point. Speaking of bigger yeah. problems, yeah, yeah. Let Let's get to the hearings. Um, so uh, I have not seen the third one. I was I was working when it came out. Yeah. Um, I've seen parts of it. Look, the 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 Republicans are right. This is the most one-sided hearing ever. Every single person that they have they brought up as a witness is a Republican. They're either a conservative, they've either been a conservative judge, uh, they've either worked in the Donald Trump administration, they're Donald Trump's family. Every single person. Yeah, that's that one-sided. Yeah, that's that's one-sided. That right. has been interviewed, that has been shown on video. Every single one of them has been a conservative. And of course, That's, and of course, that they, needs to be mentioned more. Yeah, well, they don't. They they. It's it's it's. You're right. It's it's implicit. I I I think. But if if they follow, or if 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 you follow the Trumpian way of thinking about this, every time someone shows up in front of the committee, you are automatically you begin as a rhino, and within a few seconds, you are basically a turncoat or something like that. Uh, what I what I've noticed, and I and I and I did some pretty pretty extensive uh, commentary on that hearing. I did watch the whole thing yesterday. I'm, I'm beginning to listen to, you know, the usual Trump diatribes that come out from this, or just Trump diatribes regularly. And within the context of the information that's coming out, whereas I used to listen to Trump and what I would hear is, oh, this is how his people are hearing it. And my God, they can't be so, how stupid can they be? It's beginning to sound more and more hollow, even, even trying to add the layer of context that, my God, he's, he's poisoning more minds. It's beginning to sound more and more transparently um, 
helpless in many ways, uh, just, just futile, absolutely desperate in the way he is reacting, that 12-page response to the second hearing or something. This is getting to him and getting to the people around him. And I just have this sense that you're going to start seeing a lot more people cooperating with this hearing, people that heretofore have been resisting subpoenas and everything else, because if the sense starts getting out there that there really is going to be a series of real live indictments of high-end people, then everybody is going under the wheels with Trump at this point. And, and it's, it's fascinating to watch that yesterday. Uh, um, again, I, I, what else did you happen to, what else did you find uh, interesting about yesterday? Well, so the other reason to do this is you can whitewash yourself. Sure. Um, that's, sure. that's something we need to be very aware of. Like Bill Barr is smug and stuff talking about this, you know, making fun of Dinesh D'Souza in the hearings and in uh, when he comes up to testify. He can do all of that and whitewash himself. Sure. Bill Barr is the most corrupt AG, like we've had in a very long time. Like, let's not pretend that that's not Absolutely. true. Absolutely. Let's not pretend that they couldn't have said these things publicly any time between the election and January 6th. Of course. Of let's course. not pretend Mike Pence is some stalwart hero because he literally did the bare minimum required of him in his position. The bare minimum. Yep. And and we know, according to the, the, um, the testimony yesterday, that he had a conversation about this on December 7th or December 6th. If Mike Pence had come out and said that in December, then when Trump said that they betrayed him during the riot, they wouldn't have gone after it. If you build up this expectation that you're going to do this thing and then decide you're not going to do it because it's Oh, I see what illegal, you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't 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 proclaim yourself a martyr because you could have because you didn't do it right the first. I, I um, you, you you make a valid point. You make an absolutely also, I, can valid point. Can we talk about John Eastman's email to um, I think it's Rudy Giuliani about yep. the pardon? Looking for that a pardon. might be the most criminal sentence I think I've ever seen written in my life. Uh, just about. Uh, it is it is proof of what we call in law mens rea, which literally means um, knowledge, uh, criminal criminal knowledge or criminal intent or or criminal, uh, criminal uh, uh, culpability is imputed from words like that. You are always looking for the sense, the, the, the realization that someone knows they are doing something wrong, and you couldn't have a more perfect statement than that. Eastman basically will attempt to take everybody down with him. And that's another thing here, because he will be indicted. That's pretty obvious at this point. I would think it should be pretty obvious. And I'm, I'm looking at a Mark Meadows. I'm looking at a bunch of other people that have an awful lot on the line here if they don't get their asses out front. Granted, the committee is, uh, is, is, is basically anointing a whole bunch of Republicans that might otherwise look a hell of a lot worse uh, were they allowed to simply uh, uh, be the object of uh, DOJ uh, investigations or indictments, uh, where it's simply a question of handing over transcripts to DOJ and letting DOJ do what it should do, were it a question of basically giving referrals to DOJ over people. But the committee has chosen to put this face on good Republicans. And there's, and there's a certain rational... Uh, idea to doing this, that there are some good people out there. 
and it just makes the bad ones, aka Donald Trump and his and his in interior circle, look all the uglier. At some point, we're going to have to get past all this. The Republicans are going to have to get past all this. I think the committee is taking the right approach in doing it. But, uh, you know, once again, David, that's why they play the games. And, and this is, with every passing week and every passing day on this, uh, the, the mix and, and, and the gumbo gets thicker and thicker. And there are so many other ways that it might go. And this is why I, I, I do so appreciate the opportunity uh, for you to, to express your thoughts on this. And, and thank you for getting very granular about everything that's, <laughs> that's going on uh, uh, with uh, senatorial races as well. Sometimes that can get lost in the sauce as the bigger picture, which it right now is, is the hearings, uh, certainly sucks up most of the oxygen in the room. Uh, my Friday host, as always, uh, David Bach. David, where can people find you when they're not listening to you on Center Left Radio Friday shows? Uh, Twitch.tv slash Fresh Faces New Ideas and Twitter at Faces Ideas. And I strongly urge you to find David at all the above. Uh, with that, I bid you all a happy Friday and uh, uh, take a deep breath, lay back uh, before you have that, uh, that uh, mojito uh, at lunch or this evening while you're listening uh, to this show, however you're listening to it, uh, join us because this is the point at which it's really a good idea to lay back with a little more jazz.
You've been listening to Center Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz. My name is Richard Gazer, and thank you once again for being part of today's show. I think the strategy of the January 6th committee, basically to elevate those Republicans who did the right thing, even if the argument is out there that they could have done the right thing a long time ago by either getting away from Donald Trump or saying what he was up to, I, I think this is a smart strategy simply allowing Republicans of conscience somewhere to go. But if they don't indict as a result, all bets are off.